Welcome to iPad Pros, the show all about using your iPad to be productive and get work done. I'm Tim Chen, host of the show. It is fun. Like, you will have fun with it. Even if you put things in there that are not synchronous. Like, the other day, I just put a bunch of backgrounds from Storyblocks in there. And then just, like, I cut it to music. I just cut it to the beat to music. And it created a nice background that was... I did it in seconds, and it was fun and beautiful. Welcome back to another episode of Pros. I'm really pleased to be joined today by Terry Morgan of LumaFusion. She is the co-founder and lead designer of this amazing video editing app. And they've just rolled out version 4, which includes the Multicam Studio, a feature I've been waiting for since pretty much day one of LumaFusion. It's one of my favorite features of video editing apps, and they've really done a great job implementing multicam into LumaFusion. So in this episode, we're going to be diving deep into LumaFusion, in particular the multicam update, plus some of the other updates that's come out since we last spoke, which was back in 2017 for episode three of this podcast. Uh, Terry was the very first guest of this podcast, and it's really uh, great to have her back on to dive into all of the things that they've been working on. As a reminder, for as little as a dollar a month, you can support this podcast over at patreon.com slash iPadPros or by subscribing in Apple Podcasts. And if you don't even have a dollar to toss this way, I'd really appreciate just a review in Apple Podcasts. That goes a long way in helping others discover the show. So if you have just a minute, head on over to Apple Podcasts to leave a review of the show. Greatly, greatly appreciate it. And with that, here's my interview with Terry. Enjoy. Well, welcome back to the podcast, Terry. It's been a fair bit. You are our very first guest on the show for episode three back in July of 2017. And uh, LumaFusion's had many updates since then. So welcome back. Well, thank you. Thanks for having me, Tim. I, I, I've enjoyed it the last time, and I'm sure I'll enjoy it today. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Um, so last time you were on, I believe I even talked about the, the, the desire for multi-cam uh, being in LumaFusion one day. So it's, uh, uh, it's fun to have this update out now that um, we're going to chat about this huge update of Multicam Studio being added to LumaFusion. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's that's big news. It's uh, it is big news. It's big news for us too because we've been working on it for three years. Basically, um, we had demonstrated it uh, at an Apple event, and it was a technology demonstration, just showing how powerful their iPads yeah. are. And then when we came back and thought, well, is this a feature that customers could really use in a a functional way, like right. would it please them? We realized we had a lot of work to do to make the functionality and the experience better. So we started down that path and uh, thought we were doing pretty good. And then we started our usability tests <laughs> and they said, yeah, well, we want to use it for this or we want to yeah. use it for that. And oh boy, we were, uh, it, it, it's, you know, because it's so complicated because multicam has multiple parts to it. Right. You have to collect the media and you have to start the process and collect the media, then put the media into something that synchronizes it. Mm -hmm. And then you have to switch the media and then you have to decide what you're going to do with the switched item. Right. Like, is it a container or is it just clips on your timeline? Yeah. And um, that, you know, we didn't want it to be like any other multicam. And uh, I think there were many times when 
you know, our team said, hey, you know, you, you just do it like Final Cut or you could do it yeah. like so-and-so. And I was like, no, I'm not doing it that way. <laughs> so it's my fault. It took so long. But I wanted it to be like a different experience. Like Multicam has been out, you know, when I first started editing in the late 80s, um, Multicam was something that any application that kind of had matured a little mm-hmm. had a version of multicam and almost every multicam since then is very similar yeah it's a pain you have to look up what the rules are in mm-hmm. the user guide or you're not going to get through it and you know here we are with a new touch device you know that we can have a completely intuitive experience where you're just tapping to yeah. i want to cut to this and that with your finger it's just so different that and and so one of my you know demands i guess was mm-hmm. that the um that the well drop zones well, well the angles for multicam were organized in a way that was natural and to me a one through six was natural yeah instead of having them all up in your library where you have smaller thumbnails and it goes like one, two, three, four, and then five at the bottom, right? Yeah. It's like, I don't want to use it that way. I want to use it like so that when I'm cutting, it's it's horizontal and I see my horizontal cutting happening right under. Yeah. It's like I just had these ideas of how I wanted it. and Because um, an essential part of Multicam yeah. is being able to see the live preview of all six camera angles to know when to make the cuts. Yeah. Yeah. And I felt it should be fun. Like that should be a thing where you just almost like you're at the event experiencing it from many angles at once, that kind of feeling. And I think we achieved that now, but it really did take many usability rounds and many, like there, there were things like, I can't, there were things as simple as I can't figure out how to start the feature. Like right. I can't figure out, I'm on my timeline. How do I make a multicam? Mm-hmm. And then there were, there were more complex things. Like I want to map my audio from one camera to another before I switch. Yeah. So yeah, it was just a lot of work and we did a really good job. I think I'm yeah. excited. Excellent. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm excited to dive into it. Um, Something I noticed is this is one of the few applications with multicam that now takes advantage of the M1 chip and M2 chip. Um, how, how important is that chip? Like if, if someone's trying this on A12Z or an A12X, um, is it you know is it you know usable with say a three camera edit or what's kind of the experience? Um, yeah, um, I mean. There's a lot that goes into that. So you can multicam edit on my iPhone, uh, you know, 10R. Yeah. This is, you can do it. It'll work. And Uh, and the features in there. Yeah. Because, you know, multicam runs with six tracks of 4K already, just on on any iPad or iPhone running iOS 15.4. So multicam is no different than that. You're running six tracks, right? Right. Um, Because we have six drop zones or six angles so it's it's no more difficult than that but i can tell you that uh with a m2 ipad pro you can run 16 tracks of 4k 
that's not that you, not that we've <laughs> enabled that. Yeah, and, and I'll tell you why we haven't in a second. But yeah. I've seen it happen. We at NAB we were just um, displaying that for people so they could see just how powerful that the headroom there. It, that yeah. is. Yeah, it's a lot more memory and uh, not more GPU uh, speed, and it just is. I think it's. Uh, I think it's 18% more, uh, it's a 35% faster GPU, 18% faster CPU, it's 10 core versus 8 core, and it boosts the memory bandwidth from 50 gigabytes to 100 gigabytes. So, you know, this is a big deal for an app like ours. Now, if you were using the iPad for mostly word processing and watching a single stream of media, it Maybe you wouldn't even notice, but when you're doing multiple layers and, you know, video is hard because we we have to prepare the media coming up down the timeline. So right. it's not like a stream where you can look ahead for the next hour and say, okay, I got it. You mm-hmm. know, we know where we're going. But with editing, we're always looking ahead, preparing, preparing, loading, because the next cut could be a frame away or a minute away or a second away. So that kind of difference in speed matters a lot to us. How uh, So the M2 added support for ProRes as a format on iPad. Uh, is that something that LumaFusion plays well with on the M2 iPad Pro? or? Yeah, even on the M1, uh, you can yeah. do iPad. Uh, yeah. And yeah, uh, it's not ProRes RAW. That's the only thing gotcha. that it isn't. But yeah, we have HDR support and ProRes support and uh, all that good stuff. Good. And I think yeah. our export rate of 4K, I think, is 150 megabits per second. So we're not talking low quality stuff. And I'm I'm always kind of amused because people are exporting these huge files yeah. to YouTube, which is right. just going to squish them anyway. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, yeah. But still, you can if you want. You can. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> if you want that big file. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, I'm curious uh, kind of what the role the iPad plays in, in your own life these days. Is it, you know, you're testing LumaFusion or are you? Does it serve any purpose in, in your life as a, a kind of a work computer to handle email or different things for you? Yeah. I, well, I mean, in my personal life, I uh, use it for everything from shopping when I mm-hmm. shop, you know, because I want to maybe I, I'm kind of lazy, to yeah. be honest, and I do my <laughs> grocery shopping in I'm the my same kitchen. Way. Yep. <laughs> I can open the fridge. Oh, okay, Instacart, you know, yep. and just uh, so I do that from my iPad. I do my kids' homework um, from the iPad because there's things like Zern, which is a math program mm-hmm. where you can just log in and do it there, and it's all touch, you know. Yeah. So it's fun. I I definitely take it with me whenever I travel, and I always download as many movies and shows as I can possibly fit on yes. my device. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, then I get back at the end of the trip, it's like, I only watched like 10% of that stuff, but I'm glad I had yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah, and I always have my Apple headphones, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I, actually, we have it, you know, my son and I both have Apple headphones, so we can sit on the plane and both connect to yeah, the same the movie and watch yeah, movie together. Nice, yeah. But for work, you know, I love Procreate mm-hmm. uh, just for making uh, fun graphics, and you can even animate, you know, you can animate something and then key it in LumaFusion. Yeah. Um, Dropbox is, you know, you got to have that. 
uh, keynote and whenever I'm doing a presentation, I, I love to ha present from my iPad rather than uh, laptop. And I like um, Mindly. I don't know if you know that app. I've actually not but heard just that like one. A mind yeah, yeah, it's just a mind map. And, you know, if I'm trying to organize my thoughts and uh, like I was doing some website design and I thought about making a boring sort of web or, you know, a website map of mm -hmm. all the pages. Instead, I put it in Mindly so I could see each page as a dot and then spread it out from there. Yeah. Um, and then anything that synchronizes over the cloud, I just, you know, you just use, you don't even think about it, but notes, you know, I put a note on my computer and at home I can get, it's just, you know what I like about the iPad is it takes things that are mundane mm -hmm. and makes them almost magic. Like you just feel there's something, it's almost intangible that, yeah. and and I've been thinking about it because of your interview today. I was thinking, well, what is it that makes it really fun? And I think it's probably that it's so responsive to your touch Yeah. because there's other things like Microsoft Surface or whatever it just isn't the same. You mm -hmm. don't have that magic, you know, feeling like you can, you're really interacting with your stuff. And so for editing, I mean, there's nothing better because yeah. you, you really are picking up your media and moving it around. And um, like if you want to shrink a clip and you just use your two fingers to squeeze it down, mm -hmm. you kind of feel like you're, you know, a magician yeah, <laughs> doing these definitely. things, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I love it. I yeah. Yeah, when I first uh, played with the iPad in the Apple Store back in uh, you know, 2010 or whatever, the Maps app was like, ooh, I'm like interacting yeah. with a real map here. It's, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah. 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 I like that power yeah. play. <laughs> <laughs> what's what's but, your yeah. current um, iPad you're using these days? Do you like the smaller 11 inch or 12.9 or? Well, I have to admit that I have three that I'm currently using daily. Yeah. Um, and it's, I don't know why that happened, but I, I wanted the M2 version to go to NAB with mm -hmm. because I knew I wanted to show all the tracks. Um, but I, I, and also my eyes aren't as good as they used to be. So a bigger screen for me is better. Have you been taking but, advantage um, of the, yeah. um, the new feature in iOS 16 that lets you like make stuff a little bit bigger even? Magnifying. Yeah. I, I've tried that. Yeah. For, for me, I, I'm not sure, you know, my, my eyes might enjoy it. I'm not sure if my brain can keep up right. with it. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so what, what were the other two iPads? You have the M2 and that's the 12.9? I, I have an iPad Pro M2 and iPad Pro M1. Mm -hmm. And then I have an 11 inch. Okay. And we do, yeah. you know, if we were doing um, a mock-up for development or something, it's kind of cheating to use the 12 because everything fits, right? Right, yeah. So I have to use the 11 for that. And then I also, you know, they get mad at me if I don't use the iPhone and make it make an iPhone version right. as well, like the very smallest mm -hmm. one we support. <laughs> so that's challenging. I like can imagine. You've made yeah. this beautiful feature and then, okay, now fit it into <laughs> two inches. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> yes, it's fun. Yeah. <laughs> And I don't think we've actually said what what is your role within Luma Fusion, Luma Touch? I oh yeah, we didn't cover that. I'm the co-founder and also I 
am the lead designer, so I design the features. I would say I'm the I'm the person who says no the most, yeah. unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> like the person that you know well Chris and I share that duty, but we yeah. he he's quality from another standpoint. He he wants the thing to be performant and mm-hmm. you know bug free. I want it to feel good. Like yeah. I don't really I mean, I love that you can achieve things. That's kind of ground zero, but if I ever open the app and say, Oh, that frustrated me, I'm like, mm-hmm. we gotta fix that. Because yeah. I don't want to build an you know how you're using software and it's just you need a like manual. You yourself, oh, operated. that's frustrating. Yeah. I don't ever want that. So that's why it takes us so long, I'm thinking, because <laughs> because, <laughs> uh, because of me. <laughs> but yeah, so I'm the I'm the um, but I do have a team here of usability people. They that also do um, testing and they they do support. But when we go through a round of usability testing, we all kind of jump for joy because we get to le- leave what we're doing behind yes. and go into our usability room yeah. and meet all these wonderful people that come in to and everyone to test. has a different perspective. I'm sure that makes oh, you think yeah. of things you didn't see. Yeah. Oh, it's the best. We yeah. get more information from one week of usability testing than we would ever get from me. Yeah. You know? Would so. have been some of the biggest like eye openers like, oh, I can't believe we didn't notice that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it's usually something because we're so in the weeds, you know, mm-hmm. building something that like the hardest thing to solve, not the hardest for yeah. sure, but like one thing that the usability testers found, which was kind of funny is they could not find where to start the feature. Right. And, uh, and you know, <laughs> I had to write a bug that said, we need a, like a little pop-up that says, this is where multicam is. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't think of a better way, you know? Right. Like, yeah. Cause you only have so much room in the interface and you know, uh, yeah, sense, yeah. You, you can't just add buttons all over on a on a uh, well. You can't add buttons all over on an iPad. You certainly we don't have any more room on the iPhone. No, and even if we did, there's not. You know, there's not e- hovery pop up. You know, there's not tool tips that just automatically show up when your hand hovers over a button. You know, you have to go to a certain place mm-hmm. to display them, which nobody does. So each icon needs to be designed in a way that speaks to people. And so sometimes, well, yeah, we could create a button, but I, I don't know what button would communicate this thing I'm trying to communicate. Yeah. Like there just isn't a... No. Especially you know, a really tiny one that would work on iPhone, you know. Yeah, Yeah, like automatic synchronization. I mean, we did come up with a with an icon for that, but... You have to see the words, too, to understand what it means. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah, I'm thinking back to I have an original iPhone still running iOS, like 1.0.1 that I boot up from time to time. And it's it's fun back then looking at every – instead of, you know, you know buttons, there were, was text that you clicked yeah. on that very clearly said what it did. And over the years, you know, you kind of learn what it does and they made it less yeah. text-heavy. Yeah. Right. Yeah. They Over time, you can do that. Um but frankly, we've run out of room. Like, there's yeah. <laughs> on the iPad, we have room, but not on the iPhone. And um, I remember an older design where we had a tray that kind of opened and closed for the iPhone. Mm-hmm. 
And um, eventually we got rid of that. And then uh, recently I told the customer, oh, we don't have room for that. And he said, oh, you could put things in a tray. <laughs> I was like, because we did that. Nobody liked that either because then you have to open the tray yeah. and close the tray. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So, so you mentioned um, Multicam was kind of in the works for many years. And I think I saw like a test flight version 999 as like a year like skunk works thing as you're working on that alongside other features. Yes. Um, what have been some of the features that you've managed to release while working on multicam? I know version three hit last year with some pretty major additions as well. Yeah. I mean, I think one of, well, there's a couple of things. Did, did we have, um, the stabilizer? No, that's, Cornell? that's, uh, yeah, that, that was, uh, yeah, that was after I there. talked to you. Yeah. yeah. So the stabilizer has been a very popular feature. It's free in the app and it's, it was, um, it's developed by CoreMelt, and mm-hmm. we have developed a plug-in architecture for companies like CoreMelt that are willing to work with us to create pub plugins that can be integrated into our app because mm-hmm. Apple doesn't have a plug-in architecture for video, only right, for just audio. audio. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. So we have done that. We did video scopes, which was a long-time request. So we now have histogram, waveform, and vectors, Mm -hmm. scopes, and a lot of different settings you can set on those. Um, And honestly, I think the thing that made the biggest difference for me were all the audio tools that we added graphic UIs to. And the latest one we added was a pair Let's see. It's um, we had an eleven band EQ before, which mm-hmm. was great. It's just eleven set set bands, but now we have a parametric EQ where you can set the Q, the Q width, and the and positioning of the Q, and you can combine all these different EQ filters together and see them on the UI. So you see what you're currently working on in purple and kind of see other things you worked on, other filters that are in play mm-hmm. in white. And that turned out really well and is super helpful. And then then recently we just added um, a machine learning voice isolation feature. And it's it was one of Apple's um, filters. Yeah, that I noticed we were this able was... Yeah, no, Spherite, that was an addition alongside with, with Apple release that. It's like, and it's super cool tech because it, it basically, I think, uses what they use for FaceTime, which they do live, but in the post-processing world, I, I think it works a lot better. Uh, oh, it's yeah. amazing. Like, yeah. you can go record audio in, say, an echoey bathroom, and then with a single click, have it turn out like you recorded it properly, Yeah, you know? So I does, really like that. Does that affect within LumaFusion? Um, is the processing for that happen as you do the video export, or is uh, that d- done sometime else during? The- you can hear it instantly. So yeah. you just tap the button, you hear it. I I'm not sure behind the scenes when when they actually bake it in, but yeah. it's I, you know it's, you can turn it right off and on and hear it oh, immediately. That's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. And, and there's a wet mm-hmm. dry slider, so you can kind of say how much of that you want. But okay. I've never un I've never turned it more dry because it always sounds great. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you, your guys' support for external hard drives has come a long way um, with SSDs and stuff, especially um, being able to edit off those uh, without copying yeah. stuff over, which is super nice. 
You know, another thing we were showing at NAB, which was really cool, um, we did a talk and we were showing multicam and it was to a group of people that would not have shot on iPhone. So I wanted to show them how powerful the external drive situation can be with an iPad. So we got a OWC Go dock. Mm-hmm. What's a dock, dock Go? I think, no, it's a Go dock. Yeah. And it had different lots of ports in it for external drives. So, and I told Chris, what we're going to do is we're going to plug in three USB-C drives and then we're going to multicam at it from it. <laughs> and he said, he laughed at me. He said, no, we're not. And I said, oh yeah, we are. <laughs> we're going to do a live so as a demo. He kind of was like, okay, fine. But it was, you know, it was a live talk. Right. And when we got to NAB, he said, let me, let me try that. I don't think it's going to work. And then he was like, that is amazing. Like it just worked flawlessly. Yeah. <laughs> so we took it. So during our talk, we did every, uh, we had a couple drives already connected. We, we did a recording of me talking. Mm-hmm. We took it out of the camera, stuck it into the GoDuck and then dragged the clip to the timeline with no transfer at all. And, uh, it was, I mean, I liked our talk. It wasn't it wasn't heavily visited because I think the name of our talk was a little bit confusing yeah. um, due to, you know, remote. I think it was mobile remote production. And I think in broadcast world, that means those big trucks, right? right. Yeah. <laughs> so it didn't work out well. Yeah. But our talk was great. It's yeah. just nobody was there to see it. <laughs> so. And with editing off of externals, what... Can you explain the process a bit? Because I know when you um, you can add stuff and then you kind of select it to add it. Is there a toggle to like make it not add to the library? Or how's how is that actually yeah. function? Actually, in the settings panel, uh, you can just turn on um, external drive editing, mm-hmm. and if it's on, uh, then when you drag a clip to the timeline, it it is just looking at that right. drive. Gotcha. The goods. The good part of that is it's not transferring anything. The bad part of that is if you disconnect that drive, you no longer have the media on your timeline. Yeah. So there is a check mark in the settings where you can say, just turn it off. And that way, when you drag the clip from your external drive to the timeline, then it just background copies that media. Yeah. So, you know, that has the benefit of you lose that drive or it disconnects and you're still fine on, on what you've already edited. Yeah. Have um, LumaFusion works with proxy video files, I'd imagine, or does it not? Well, the one place we actually everything that we put on the timeline, except for one situation I'm going to talk about, mm-hmm. is is it's you know it's it's native file format. Yeah. Um, but Frame.io can deliver. Well, it automatically delivers proxies. So if you put mm-hmm into Frame.io, some very high-res thing or something that doesn't isn't supported by iOS, it will automatically deliver perfect files for iOS. Okay. Um, so we don't have to do anything. It's just there. And then when we export, we have a setting, you know, what, whether to get the um, mm-hmm. original media or not. Yeah, because so I was just thinking it'd be interesting if you're working off of uh, servers that have all the media files to like somehow encode a proxy that's kind of light and fast, and then um, when you do your final yeah. render, grab that stuff from the, uh, the servers. And yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I think you know. I think one question is if we say we decided to add 
16 tracks to the M2 device because it can. Right. Then if you edit a 16 track um, timeline and then decide to try to open that on your iPhone or something else, (laughs) then what's the user experience? Mm -hmm. I mean, certainly we could say, no, you can't do that. Yeah. But from my perspective, I want it to be a gentler experience where we give some options for recovery. So, yeah, I don't know if that would involve proxies or it would involve... um, yeah, I just don't know. So that's what yeah. we that's why we haven't that's why done it takes this a bit to figure out the, the, the good solution that works for us. Yeah. I mean, so for instance, like Resolve has all the tracks, I think I don't know how many on their iPad, but they're only available on the higher end devices. Yeah. They don't you can't get Resolve for iPad on an iPhone, for instance. No, definitely not. So um yeah, so the, you know, the, by limiting what you can do, they've made it easier for themselves, which right. is not a bad idea. But we, yeah, we we're in a situation where we want to keep everybody able to do editing on any device. Yeah, no, and so. it's very much appreciated. And I, um, I love how the app, uh, because you know, you may work for iPhone, and um, the window gracefully scales up and down <laughs> even uh, you guys got kind of for free with stage manager on external displays um yeah. a, a big version of luma fusion that can you know you can work on a 42 inch tv or a 30 inch or a 27 inch monitor yeah. it, it's really nice there it is so yeah so even before stage manager we did have this external um you know, monitor situation where you just, if, if a monitor is plugged in, there's a Mm -hmm. little button that pops up under the preview and you can tap there. If you don't tap there, you would get a mirroring of your device. And if you do, then you just get the preview out. And that, that is quite nice um, for like, you know, I, I like to see things on a bigger screen. Yeah. Even though the iPad is a really great screen, you know, it's still small for me. It is, yeah. There's with Stage Manager, it's pretty limited as far as like you couldn't have a way to swap that and have preview on your iPad screen and have state external be all your timeline stuff over trackpad and keyboard. Or is that possible somehow? It would be possible. We haven't implemented that, but that would be a possibility okay. if people thought, you know, if people started contacting us and saying, well, I, I would love this app if it did that. But right. so far, nobody has actually mentioned it gotcha. so much. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it is quite nice working on the big uh, yeah. screen uh, when, when I'm, you know, not on the go and it is uh, a good right. experience there. Yeah. Um, and then something I did notice too is um, as I was like researching, the app download size is one ninety nine point six megabytes. Is that a pretty uh, important thing to stay under two hundred so people can download this on the go? I mean, we're going to try to stay under there as long as we can. And there's a couple reasons why we, we can do that. Um, one is that we're constantly re-optimizing the, um, you know, the code. Yeah. So. That's just something that is part of the housekeeping of LumaFusion is to not let the code get old and um, klutzy. So the other thing is we don't use SDKs like um, Facebook 
um, that we used to have it, but mm-hmm. then they changed it. And um, now it's a huge SDK and it will bloat your app. So we just, you can export through the Apple export manager mm-hmm. where you say other app, you know, and then it can go there. Yeah. Um, so we don't do that. And there's one other reason. Oh, yeah, we don't have a large amount of content in the app. Yeah. So the minute we will say we start adding, say we want to do 3D models mm-hmm. and we had to store those locally, some sort of model, the, then we'd start bloating the app up. Yeah. But right now everything is programmatic and everything that's not programmatic is like story blocks. It lives in the cloud and then when, when you mm-hmm. need it, we bring it down. Yeah. So your app can get large if you're editing a lot of stuff and you don't manage your media. Yeah, but the, we do have a lot of tools in the cleanup section of the mm-hmm. settings that allow you to delete uh, unused cached media or even used cached media if you so choose, and then some automatic. And whenever you delete a project, for instance, you can set it to delete the oh, nice. caches, yeah. not not your original media, but mm-hmm. the cached media, gotcha. right? So yeah, yeah, because yeah. Even two terabytes can fill up uh, with video <laughs> if you're not careful. I know. I know. It's so sad. <laughs> you know. So uh, something I'm curious about is um, so the touch experience is amazing, and the trackpad stuff is really good, too. Um, and you have a ton of keyboard shortcuts, which which is awesome. I'm curious if you experimented with modifier keys to kind of morph the trackpad to do some kind of behavior. Uh, for example, within Ferrite, I, I can hold down the option key. And the trackpad instead of a selection, uh, instead of like a standard cursor, turns into like a a big, you know, pointing line where I can select mm-hmm. or delete stuff uh, without any 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 other yeah. kind of things going on. I think we do a little tiny bit of that on um, Mac um, silicone mm-hmm. uh, devices. Yeah, but I think it would definitely be something that I'd like to explore more. And the the one thing that comes to mind that we could do is maybe have a modifier for trimming so that like if you're if you're zoomed out and your trimming is very granular not not very granular right you're trimming too fast right and then you hold down the moder- modifier key maybe getting into one frame at a time trimming or something yeah. like that like i would want it to be somehow related to making editing faster yeah yeah, yeah. and that, that's that's the key with all that stuff right um so um, let's stick into version four. This is a big, big update as we've been talking about. Um, so multicam, as we've said, um, multiple camera angles. Can you kind of explain the, the basis of multicam before we dive into the nitty gritty? Yeah, sure. So first, there's several reasons you might use multicam. One is obvious if you've shot with more than one camera at a time. Mm-hmm. And then you don't want to have to edit by looking for the synchronized point. Yeah. You can have LumaFusion synchronize your media, and then you just tap to cut to what you want to cut to. That's the obvious one. But another one would be if you have a separate mic. Like reporters do this a mm-hmm. lot. They'll have a separate mic they're holding out, and then they have their, their camera. And yeah. that media has to be sunk up somehow before mm-hmm. they edit um so that's you can use multicam like that you're just syncing one audio and one video and you make a clip and that's it you just edit with that clip yeah another way uh, another reason you might use it so we have 
two sort of workflows that are represented in the UI. One is for specifically for things like music videos, Mm -hmm. because we have this thing we call the primary track. And the primary track is your final mixed track that your musicians probably performed to. Mm -hmm. And you're going to use that track to sync to, but you never want to cut it when we're switching. So we have a primary track for that. And then we have so that's for music videos. But if you're doing more of like an interview where you have two or three cameras mm-hmm. and maybe one of your cameras has good audio, but you also have a Zoom mic and you have yeah. an uh, off camera, you know, you have all these different audio situations. So we've got mapping. So you can say every time I cut to camera two, I want to hear audio from the Zoom. Mm. And every time I cut to camera one, I want to hear its own. Audio. You know, you can really yeah. set that up. That's cool. Um, so that's one. But this morning, I was surprised by a customer who was a one-man band, and he was doing a guitar, uh, acoustic guitar solo, mm-hmm. and he he used that, uh, you know, primary track to record himself doing the whole song from mm-hmm. different angles. He only had one camera, though, oh. <laughs> but he just did it multiple times, the same you know, audio. And then he used that audio for, because, because he recorded that as he, you know, on each clip. Yeah. I hear in the professional, like film world, movie world, um, because the cameras can be so large, they'll run the same scene multiple times. And I'm guessing they're using time codes to synchronize for those edits. Sure. Yeah. You could do that too. If you had time code. Um, well in that case, um, yeah. That's a little bit different. I mean, but if is you hard did to have time, multiple yeah. cameras, mm-hmm. multiple cameras with time code would definitely okay. work. And we do support that. You can synchronize either by audio waveforms or by simply time code on your clips. And then, you know, coming up sometime soon, we'll have linear or LTC time code. So if you had a time code generator like a, a tentacle sync, mm-hmm. you, we can... Um, we'll be able to sync using that. Okay. So, yeah. Cool. And then uh, as far as the maximum angles, we mentioned six. Is it six plus one audio? Yeah. Each of the six angles can have audio mm-hmm. and then an additional primary audio track that doesn't get cut. Okay. Excellent. And then uh, as you mentioned before, um, sync is very important. And I learned the hard way. Um, thinking I was doing a music um, performance, like audition type thing, multicam. And uh, like, I don't know, 10, 20 takes. I think it's perfect. <laughs> I thought I had the right one for the audio sync. And because uh, they were very similar. And then I um, discovered, because LumaFusion did match up uh, the, the parts that it could match up. It's like, oh, this is right. And then uh, I start that. It's like, no, it wasn't right. So it's very important um, to label your media, everything uh, properly. Yeah. Well, what are some of the tips you might have for organizing all your organizing. media and making sure you're working with the right um, take and, and, and whatnot? Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll say two things. One is not exactly your question. But I'll yeah. get to your question. <laughs> First one is, like, if you are doing a music video, you know, record your final song first and then play back that every take play back Mm. the same clip every take because then all all the takes are going to sync 
and it's just right. your performance, right? Yeah. But then, but for organizing, you, yeah, I, it depends on where your clips are. Like if they're, if you're going to import them from Dropbox or from someplace else or a drive, I would say it's really important to create folders and name your clips. Mm-hmm. But if you have put them in the photos app, for instance, you can't name no. them. <laughs> <laughs> but you can make albums. Like I, mm-hmm. a lot of customers make albums, but that's all before you get into LumaFusion. But once you get into LumaFusion, one thing I do is color tag all my clips. Yeah, and I, you know, I'm a little bit floaty with it. Like one time, I'm like, okay, in this case, I want all my interview clips to be blue, and then all of my B-roll to be green. So I can just quickly look at my art library and see, you know, what's what. Mm-hmm. Or I might say um, good, better, best. Well, yeah. Or bad, better, best. <laughs> well, yeah. actually, you just delete the bad ones. So it's always good, better, best. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, just, you know, color code your media. And then you can search in LumaFusion for that color. You can actually search for blue and it'll find all your blue tagged shots. Oh, very nice. Yeah. Yeah. And there's also a search, uh, there's a sort in the, in the little menu where you can sort by size, by date, by name, uh, resolution, all sorts of things in there. Nice. So, um, that's all editing process. You have your, your six angles. Um, and then you guys added a while back the ability to resize kind of the different quadrants within LumaFusion, um, Mm kind of. I guess as far as sizing, how big can you make that on like a 12.9 inch iPad? Can it take up the majority of your screen as you're editing or um, what's that look like? Yeah. I mean, um, you can, you can, so there's two things. One is there's a little handle that you can, you know, just the size of the timeline versus the library or preview. And then there's also a layout button that you can say, I just don't want to see anything, but my, timeline and my mm-hmm. preview maybe you're done drawing clips over and you just want to focus on your timeline and then from there you can expand your timeline as bigger yeah. little as you want so it is pretty flexible and also on the iphone i think people use that layout button a lot because they're swapping in and out what yeah. they want to use yeah, to maximize yeah. their space yeah 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 but yeah. uh no, I think I think it's it's been, uh, you know, through the pandemic was a difficult time because we grew our team doubled in size. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah. but sometimes it, you know we had hired people we've never met, mm-hmm. and uh, it's it, it's it's just challenging to work like that. Yeah, because we were pretty tight knit here at least in seattle right you know the design and 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 support and all is in seattle and developers are in salt lake Mm -hmm. and each of our teams was pretty tight-knit like we like coming in and hanging out together right (laughs) then all of a sudden we can't hang out and oh we tried all sorts of things coffee meetings and all you know virtual coffee meetings or games or but there's just nothing like the collaborative getting together. person. Yeah. 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 Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, um, as we said before, the process of editing in multicam is one of my favorite things in the world. You're just watching back your, your performance and just tapping between the, all the angles. 
after you do that first pass, um, what's the process like for doing the fine tuning? So you want to like change yeah. the the cut a couple you know frames or whatnot. Yeah, it's it's very powerful in that when you're switching, you can always go back and switch to a different angle for one you know switch. You can also adjust the switch point with with just this little roll trimming. Mm-hmm. But I think one of the most cool things is you can actually go all the way back to the synchronizer and say, I want to color correct this whole angle. I don't want to go into every clip and color. I want to color correct the whole angle. And then you're back in your timeline. Everything's switched. And you can additionally say for this one switch, I want to color correct this one switch, Mm. you know? So there's a lot, and you can do that at any time. You can actually go, remap your audio after you've switched like you can just go back to the synchronizer and say i made a mistake i want i want to do this differently and it's just going to update everything automatically so that's very cool yeah it's pretty flexible yeah and then so the multi-cam clip edits um it's tr- it's true as like a compound clip when you're done and you go back to your regular timeline is that kind of how it, it functions yeah yeah at, at first we had made it so it was well, what I call loosey goosey, yeah. <laughs> like, you know, you've cut all this stuff and put all this work into it and then you can pick up a clip and everything's out of sync. I, I just like, no, I don't want that. Yeah. So we made this container where you tap once and you can pick up the container and move it around like a clip. Mm-hmm. But if you tap a second time, you can get into the, s- s- uh, sorry, single clips inside. The- yeah. <laughs> that was hard to say. <laughs> you can get into the single clips inside the container. So that you can, um, you know, modify those. You can color correct them. If you do something to change the continuity of time, mm-hmm. like you make something longer. Yeah, like you can do slow motion within a multi-cam edit. Well, if or... you did that, it would <laughs> yeah. say, hey, you know, you're no longer inside this, sanc- um, you know, sacred container of time yeah and it will break it apart and just say okay now you have two because this continuity of time has been messed with yeah and that and that's a good thing uh at first you know it might feel like oh i wish it would stay together but when you think about it you could never go back and re-switch that no yeah because you know it's just broken it, it's yeah. not it's not it's broken from the multicam sense right it's not broken from the editing sense you might always want to do that but you want to do your switching and synchronizing and then now you've got your piece it's like a clip mm-hmm. now you can do what you want with it and break it up and stuff okay yeah and then am i remembering correct you can actually copy like the multicam a clip into like even a different project if you wanted to you can yes yeah. yes you can copy it i think at um i think at the moment it it'll create a second copy of that okay so that you can still mess around with the first one and not ruin the, gotcha. the second one yeah just yeah. mirror it over yeah um anything any other little tidbits out to multi-cam any other like little touches that you really love that yeah. your team was able to do that we haven't touched on yeah, I mean, I think you you hit on the uh, functionality of multicam, but I want to say that it is fun. Like yeah. you will have fun with it, uh, even if you put things in there 
that are not synchronous. Mm -hmm. Like the other day, I just put a bunch of backgrounds from Storyblocks in there. And then just like, I cut it to music. I just cut it to the beat to music. And it was, was, you know, it created a nice background that was, I did it in seconds and it was fun and beautiful. And uh, so I think people are going to find fun ways of using multicam that don't even involve multiple cameras. Yeah. And that's the fun thing. The live editing nature is just so addictive. Like it's just, it's instant kind of gratification of you watching something and seeing a a result. And actually I think in the future we'll be able to bring in ISO files from live editing, uh, you know, actual live switchers. That'd be amazing because so the, yeah. the products in iOS for that now, I think there's one and it's, it's like 200 bucks a month or something stupid. It's like, it's, it's out of uh, the realm of, is that I mean, switcher studio yeah, or switcher something? Studio. Yeah. I think it's like 50 yeah. bucks a month. It, it seems like a great piece of software, but it's just, unless you're getting paid for yeah. it, you, it's hard to justify. Yeah. I think it is a great piece of software most likely. And wow, they are doing some amazing things They are, uh, yeah. with after after you've switched and done your live thing, what next, you know? Mm -hmm. But I think the thing is there's a difference to me in live switching and editing. So Mm -hmm. the, you know, the way I would put it is that when you're live switching, you're at, you're, you're at the place and you have these perceptions and you're able to, you know, feel the performance while you're there but as an editor your job is to recreate that Mm -hmm. percept all those perceptions that are happening and so it would be nice to be able to have that iso file that's already switched imported into lumafusion with the media and then just make the adjustments that are the mistakes that were made in real time yeah you know so you get both that sensation of the live and mm-hmm. you get the fine tuning of post switching. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and in what ways is the multi-cam more fun to you than say what file cuts done uh, with their implementation? Like what are some of the, just f- like the fun nature of it? Um, well, I mean, something I can't take credit for really mm-hmm. is just the touch nature yeah. is just, you know, there's nothing more fun than pointing at something and seeing it happen. Yeah. (laughs) But I, but we really made it. So when we did our usability tests, we made the test so that if a person like an average person Mm -hmm. couldn't get through the whole multicam edit without trying to look in a user guide or trying to ask questions, then we failed. So we, this is something where it guide. It's not like a wizard. It doesn't guide you, but the next step is obvious. Mm-hmm. So it's low stress and at the same time, quite powerful. So the fact that we have the audio mapping able to be done in the, in the synchronization, that's different. Yeah. So it's like kind of like you do your, a little bit of work up front mm-hmm. and then from then on you're free to just explore and yeah. have everything come out right. Um, also our timeline with the container doesn't, doesn't let you get in trouble yeah. as easy. You know, it doesn't mm-hmm. let you go out of sync or pull a clip out and then wonder what happened to the, and then our master, our, our um, sorry, a primary audio 
track is unique as well. So there's just a lot of things we rethought and did different. And I think the experience is just more fun. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And as far as all the transitions within LumaFusion, are you able to use any and all of those within a multi-cam? And yeah, yeah, the, the timing doesn't get thrown off with like, it'll just, yeah. Right, right. It, it'll, it'll keep, you know, there's obviously media there because you're switching mm-hmm. between clips. So we just keep the same timing and you can drop any transition onto those internal cuts that have been okay. and And if you have one that's like fading out and fading in, it'll, um, it'll do the fate. It'll like go to the next cut and like look at that and incorporate that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, any of those. And we've added uh, quite a few new transitions and we'll be adding more. But yeah, there's a lot. Of, you just drag them to the cut and should be good to go. You can Excellent. also add them to the end or beginning of a container, a multicam container. Yeah. Or between two and stuff like that. And then um, earlier you mentioned about, uh, you know, the M2 having so much headroom with, you know, maybe 16 tracks. Um, the. Um, the reason for not implementing that, that is so device-wise it works on, you know, more devices. Is that kind of the... Yeah, and ed- I'm not saying we're kind of not going to implement it. I'm just saying that we want to implement it in a thoughtful way so that we don't lead our customers down a path that gets them stuck. Stuck, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. A, a tricky balance. Like, yeah, I don't know, like doing a pro mode with Fusion only this device would, I don't know, it's, right. it's, 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 it's tricky to make that intuitive. To, yeah, I'm, but I think there's probably options, whether those options are, you know, automatically flattening tracks or... The proxy stuff. I don't stuff. know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, we'll that, that'll be the things we have to discover. What right. is the most useful way of moving to a lower end device. Yeah. Um, so this was a huge feature many years in the works. Are there other big, big things like this that, uh, you know, <laughs> spatial audio within LumaFusion, stuff like that, just like long-term <laughs> yeah. kind of things that you guys have your, your investigative process still? We do. Yeah. And I'll tell you what, Tim. <laughs> <laughs> you do. That's good to hear. Too I, early to talk I, about that, I I'm have sure. learned my lesson. <laughs> 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 no, we we have. I mean, we had announced some things prior to multicam, and actually, we put them on the back burner until mm. we could get so we could focus on multicam. Yeah. So I can mention those things, but they are certainly not the only things that mm-hmm. we're working on. But those things are um, advanced keyframing, so mm-hmm. keyframe easing and curves. That yeah. means you can make a a ball go in a circle rather than a square, mm-hmm. or you can have it start slow and speed up or so on. Yeah. So that, um, I, I, I don't know if I can, um, mention the one that, well, yeah. Okay. We're working on speed ramping. Oh, very cool. That's a a, a fun one. If nobody uses that thing, I'm going to be mad. (laughs) (laughs) I'll be able to look and see how many people are using this feature. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, no, that is in the hopper. And also we had gotten quite a long ways on subtitling before. Yeah. Yeah. We, we, we were 
I don't know what percent, maybe 60% done with that mm-hmm. feature when we said, okay, we just have to focus on one thing. Yeah. And that was multicam. So now we can kind of open those doors again. And, and, and at this point, I think it's wise to re-examine whether those are the top priorities. Yeah. Considering, you know, the world changes and things, people want different things. So. Does Apple's advances with machine learning help with subtitling at all? I know like accessibility features, they have like live text and video, but I'm guessing you guys can't tap into that directly or. Yeah. I mean, well, speech, speech to text for mm-hmm. sure. They have a version. It's, you know, there are specialists like speech Maddox that do um, a more robust version of that. Mm-hmm. So whether or not we would use Apple, I mean, obviously the easiest thing to do would be implement Apple's, but we might look at other options as well for speech to text yeah. for subtitling. And then, you know, all of those other options come with benefits that we might be able to take advantage of, like translation and, mm-hmm. and yeah. um Yeah. Just the accuracy involved right. with some of them is better than others. So, yeah. for sure, yeah, yeah, we'll we'll be looking at all that. And I think, you know, now that we've done the stabilization plugin, we're looking at other plugins. Very cool. Uh, yeah. Well, integrating other pieces yeah. of software as if they were plugins. Right. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I have not seen 3D audio as a thing in pretty much any. Any iOS app, really, to date, is to, to do like a Dolby Atmos mix. Is that something that's just kind of impossible within iOS frameworks today, or is that something like... I don't think it is impossible, actually, okay. uh, but don't quote me on that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> very detailed. Yeah. 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 That's, that's yeah. I th- we were talking to Dolby a while back, and I don't recall what the end of that conversation was, but... Yeah. Uh, I do think there's stuff there to be done. Okay. Yeah. That'd be yeah. super interesting just from a, I've always, just to play around with it. I, I don't know, you know, yeah. it'd just be a fun thing to, you know, you know, visually play with sound in that way and have different audio it sources. It would yeah. be. Yeah. Totally. It Especially, would be, yeah, yeah in sure. multi-cam, you could even integrate, like, I don't know, you have like, you know, different camera sources <laughs> coming in from different places, you know. You've just blown my mind. Right? I don't yeah. know. <laughs> so much pressure yeah (laughs) yeah that's true though you could really map your cameras and then have the audio you know working that way yeah one of the fun multi-cam things i heard about was like people at a wedding have like you know people in the audience recording video and using all those sources syncing it up and you can even do things like sync up like you have one main camera and then like do like different passes of these you'll see video just cut in for like, you know, a couple minutes within this hour and you have this like, um, I mean, wouldn't it be cool if the positioning of their iPhones was good enough to adapt the audio? (laughs) That would be amazing. Yeah. You somehow have, uh, this is a little bit outside of our realm, but I think (laughs) you have metadata on the video files for like, that's right. You were 10 feet to the left. Exactly. Yeah. Well, someday, someday, someday. Although, yeah. yeah. Right, Luma Fusion in twenty years. Well, I That's right. Yeah. <laughs> I might not be alive to see that, but it, <laughs> right, yeah. you can you can like go to my gravesite and scratch it on the wall or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we did it. Yeah. So, um, 
Anything we haven't covered about Louisville Infusion that I'd um, like to mention before we wrap it up? You know, obviously, we are very proud that Luma Fusion is a one-time purchase still. It's a, you know, you don't have to pay a subscription to have it. Yeah. And Multicam is also a one-time purchase. So we've stuck to our model, except for, you know, Storyblocks is a, is a, is a stock library that we pay a subscription for, basically. Mm-hmm. So that is a subscription. But other than that, yeah, we have stuck to our one-time purchase model, and we think it uh, is fair to our customers and also is working for us so far. Um, so that's a really cool thing. And also, you know, we're just, we're just super happy. We're, I mean, Chris and I have just been two of the luckiest people on earth to be in a position where you have a startup, a bootstrap company yeah. that just does its job and, and works and and employs people and employs ourselves. So I, I couldn't be happier to be where we are. And I'm very grateful. So. That's great. Yeah. And yeah, it's a no brainer add on for multi-cam. It, it just opens the potential up to what kind of projects you can can tackle that much easier yeah 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 it's fun too so and um for more information is it luma-touch.com what's the website you can just do lumatouch.com l-u-m-a um and then for twitter and other places just do at lumatouch and you'll find us excellent well thank you so much sarah it's been a great chat really enjoyed it yeah thank you me too i really did enjoy it appreciate it thanks well, that has been an interview with Terry all about LumaFusion version 4. My thanks again to Terry for her time recording this interview, and my thanks to you for your time and attention tuning in. As a reminder, you can support this podcast over patreon.com slash iPadPros or by subscribing in Apple Podcasts. I'll talk to everyone again real soon.